We're going to be in Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. So, one thing I love about our church, Calvary Chapel, is they, we go through the, the Word of God verse by verse, right? You guys like that? You know what you're, what you're going to be at most of the time when you're finishing up a study. And for someone that's going to teach, it's really difficult to just get a call and say, hey, can you teach tomorrow? But not on anything that we just talked about. And, okay, so I got to start all new, all brand new and really take, take it to the Lord in prayer. And it needs to be fresh. It needs to be, you know, you know, what is it that you want me to share? And so with that, as I, it, it's interesting, it was about two weeks ago, I was sitting in service and I was, I was wondering, I was like, man, and all of a sudden this thing came upon me. It was like, next time you get an opportunity, Acts 10. So we weren't here last week. And then Tim calls me and says, hey, can you teach today? So that's where we're going to be in Acts chapter 10. And so Acts chapter 10, but before I jump into that, I mean, I want to kind of lay a little bit of the foundations. If those of you that are not familiar with the book of Acts, this is really how the early church started, the first century church, after the death and resurrection of Jesus, how the church spread out through all the nations. And it's, if you haven't had a chance to read or you haven't read it in a while, I encourage you guys to go back and take a look at it. It's amazing. And, and this portion of Scripture is very, very, very pivotal in all of our walks, or all of us as believers, that this portion of Scripture. Um, this area right now where we're going to be in chapter 10 is roughly around 10 years after the uh, resurrection of Jesus, give or take. Um, but just kind of as a way of a reminder, chapter 6 and seven was, was when Stephen was stoned. He was the first martyr of the church. You guys remember that? There was a big, there was a big, um, uh, he was going out share, uh, sharing the Lord and sharing about Jesus as the, sa- as the Savior and the Messiah. And he ends up getting stoned there with rocks, not with the change of the laws. Everyone always talks about that stuff. But he got stoned to death, okay? And what happened with, from that point is the church scattered. Everyone got fearful and they scattered. And it's interesting what Satan meant for evil, God turned around for good because they were, the early church, the, the believers were just, they're stuck to Jerusalem. And Jesus told them in Matthew chapter 28, he says, go into all nations and, and preach the gospel. So at that time, they were just kind of stuck right in Jerusalem. So everyone was fearful. They took off. As, and that's chapter 8, they scattered out, and then there was a man named Philip that came, up, came on the scene, and he did some amazing things. But when the, Stephen was martyred, there was this other man named Saul. If you got, Some of you guys remember his, him, not the King Saul from Old Testament, Saul of Tarsus, uh, who eventually we know as Apostle Paul. He was there kind of breathing threats and things of, um, and he, he was very zealous for the ways of the law, and he ended up trying to to persecute the Christians, put them in, in prison, and ultimately having them killed. Interesting enough, he was there standing, consenting to the death of Stephen when this happened. So that's really the backdrop of the main chapters leading up to chapter 10. And it, it's kind of like the church is kind of scattered out, and then all of a sudden we, we, we come upon this portion of Scripture. And like I said before, it's very, um, it's, it's pivotal because up to this point, the Gentiles have not heard about the gospel. And 
for those of you, just a way of reminder, if you know what a Gentile is, is any non-Jew? Anybody that was a non-Jewish person um, is considered a Gentile, and they were not, they didn't know anything about the gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ. And this is the chapter that we see the Lord really stir up Peter and in this really uncon- unconventional way and just kind of puts him out of his comfort zone and he goes out and, um, and, and begins to share. So this, is, this will mark, as we go through this, the, the, the formal beginning of um, God doing a work among the Gentiles in which I'm grateful for personally and accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I'm not Jewish by any means, so thank God for being grafted in. So let's get into the chapter, chapter 10, verse, um, verse 1 is where we'll pick up. It said, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid, and he said, what is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angel had spoken to him, uh, when, oh, I'm sorry. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. So verse 1, we, we, we kind of get the, the breakdown here of the locale. And um, this is there's a man in Caesarea. We don't really have it. We do have his name is Cornelius, a centurion. But Caesarea, this is the, um, if you're familiar with the geography of, of um, Israel, there's two Caesareas. Don't get this confused with Caesarea Philippi. This is Caesarea by the sea. And, and Caesarea is, you know, it's on the northwest corner, our northwest side of, um, of Israel. And it's about, you know, 70 miles from Jerusalem. But why is they don't get this confused? Because there was a significant event that happened at Caesarea Philippi, including that was um, that Peter was involved with as well. If you guys remember in Matthew chapter 16, when they were up at Caesarea Philippi, Jesus and the disciples, and the, the most powerful question that you can ask anybody is, who, when they asked, Jesus asked them, who do men say that I am? And they had all, all these things, oh, you're a good teacher, and this and that, and he goes, you're a rabbi, you're, you're this, that, all the, the press clippings. And then he says, but who do you say that I am? And that's the most pivotal question that we all will be faced with at some point. Who do you say that Jesus is? And, and Peter says, oh, you're the son of God, you're the Messiah. And he goes through, and you can go back and read that. And at, as that, that, it's at that point where Jesus tells him, hey, Flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, Simon Peter, but my Father in heaven. And he says, on this rock, I will build my church. And, and basically, it's, and there it goes on to talk about how Jesus gave Peter the keys to the kingdom. 
what does that even mean? Keys to the kingdom. Like he can open the door for everybody. But we're going to see that. So don't get confused with that. So um, Caesarea by the sea is a beautiful place. If you ever get a chance to go to to Israel you'll, uh, on a tour, you'll be able to go there. And it, it's, it's amazing. So um, we see that that's where their locale is. And there, there's a man named Cornelius. And it says that he's a centurion. And those of us that don't, and those of you don't know what a centurion is, is he's a Roman soldier, like a sergeant, so to speak, over 100 men. So he's got 100 men that report to him, and we, we find out that he's a devout man and he fears God. Kind of a, seems like an oxymoron, right? I mean, there's a Roman soldier, he's placed in this territory, and, you know, the Romans were there to really put the keep the the jewish nation under control you know put push them under their thumb and so here's this guy that's a um he's devout man and he fears god with all his household and he's praying and he's praying to to the lord and uh one of these things a couple times we we see some centurions in in scripture um mostly in the gospels and one jesus was in awe of the centurion that was his faith was greater than the, the Jewish nation itself. He's just like, wow, I have not found such great faith in all Israel. So here's, he's a, there's another um, centurion. There was a centurion at the, uh, at the cross when Jesus died, and he was looking up at Jesus on the, on the cross and said, hey, truly, this was the Son of God. But what I wanted to, to, to hone in on was, here's this guy, he feared God. He feared God. He's praying to the Lord on the ninth hour. Well, that would be roughly uh, three o'clock in the afternoon for those of that um, it's three o'clock in the afternoon would be the ninth hour not 9 a.m so here he is he's he's devout towards the lord he gives alms he does everything that seemingly is the right thing right he he's praying he's giving things to alms and alms is literally just giving charity to the poor helping out wherever i mean he's a good person right and he's praying, and, um, and all of a sudden, this vision of an angel comes to him. I don't know about you guys, but I, I've never received a, a vision from an angel when I'm praying, but uh, pretty powerful, and even that he was able to notice it, and notice how he, or uh, recognize him, and notice how his mindset was that, you know, what is it, Lord? Here's a guy that gives orders, and now he's probably falling in rank to this angel. He's like, hey, whoa, what is it, Lord? And he said, your prayers and your alms have come up in uh, uh, verse 4, I'm sorry. He says, um, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Isn't that just amazing? Our prayers and our alms come up to before the Lord. No matter what it is, what, it doesn't tell us what his prayer was. We can, we can speculate, and as we, we go on and kind of fill in the gaps here, we probably get paint a better picture of what it is. He's probably basically, I want to, I do all this, but yet I feel like there's something missing. You ever, you ever been there? You feel like you, you pray, and you're doing good, good deeds. You come into church. You, 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 you do whatever. You, you, you donate. You go help out with the homeless for Thanksgiving. You do all the stuff, and yet they're not, there's something missing. There's something missing. 
um, have family members that are like that. They're good people. They pray and all that, but there's, there's a, a lack, and we'll get into that a little bit more. There's something missing. And so he says, hey, I want you to go and um, send, for, send to Joppa, send men to Joppa, and look for a man uh, named Simon, whose surname is Peter. He's hanging out with another guy named Simon. You know, Simon, his common name, Mike C., Mike, you know, I've dealt with it my whole life. There's always three or four Mikes in a, in the classroom. And this is, you know, it, it's just a, this way a side note here. This is way before GPS. God knew exactly where everybody was and the players that he needed to, to, get his, to have his will done. He's like, hey, he's hanging out with Simon a Tanner, and he's hanging out there. Go, go check him out. So he's obedient. He goes and he sends all the he sends his guys to um, to go out and to go fetch this guy um, Peter, so to speak. Um, well, come back to the God fearing person here in a minute um, about that because uh, you know what? Why why not? I'll just go ahead and I'll go ahead and explain it now. It's interesting in these ancient times. Um, uh, a God-fearer was the way the Jewish people looked upon people as God-fearers. Were, they were like this. They, um, they were Gentiles that were kind of impressed by Judaism for a couple reasons. One, they're, 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 they had this structure of rules where they kept themselves aligned. They were, they were morally responsible. There was only one God. They weren't being swayed by the different things. They were steadfast on one God. And you can imagine what, if you're the Roman soldier, you've gone in and you've occupied different territories and you see these things, but then you come to this territory where these, uh, the Jewish people are at and they're like looking at him. It's like, wow, these guys, they only serve one God. They have these rules and they're, they're stable. They're consistent in their belief system. They're not being tossed to and fro. And, and a lot of these people would, would be intrigued by it and begin to inquire what is it that you believe even and they would say these um these gentiles would be drawn to this this um their views and they would end up being converts they would be grafted into to um the jewish community um similarly to us you know as believers you know we as we come around and we go around we're we're christians we're we and our life should be causing others to, to really ponder and seek the things of the Lord. Does, and my question for me, and I'll pose it to you guys as I was preparing for this, is does my life cause others to really inquire what, what's different about you? What is it? Or do we just kind of go through and just check in on, on Sunday and then and, and go out and then, you know, say, oh, God bless you every once in a while. And everyone's sick now. They're saying God bless you often, you know, sneezing and everything. But, you know, I make light of it. But honestly, is there something that's causing people to, dr- like, okay, man, what is it? Something different about you. And then you have this open door. So something to consider, you know, we, people are watching us. Even the heart, most hardened people, which would be this Roman, a Roman soldier, especially a centurion, they're watching us. And so how are we, how's our life uh, being an example uh, and drawing people to the Lord? 
So this, this uh, Cornelius was obedient, so he ends up sending these guys to go, get, go to Joppa. Anybody remember, um, familiar with the city of Joppa? We see it in other, in other portions of Scripture. And there's no coincidences in the Bible, by the way. <laughs> this, this city, Joppa, if you guys remember back to the story of Jonah, this was a city where Jonah went and God told him to go, go to the Ninevites. At that time, were the most just brutal people group. And God said, hey, go minister to them. Jonah goes to Joppa, jumps on the ship, and goes south. 2,500 miles. <laughs> we know the story about the fish, right? This is the same place. He's hanging out there. And if, again, if you ever get the opportunity to go to Israel, you'll go here. It's still operating. It's a harbor. It's one of the ancient uh, harbors there. still operable. And you go there. And so it, here he is hanging out there. And it, it's going to tie together. So these guys go off and take off. Verse 9. The next day, as they were on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and let down at the earth and let down to the earth. And in it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to Peter, came to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. So the scene changes from Caesarea, Cornelius sending out his guys, to back down to Joppa, south from Caesarea. So Peter's there, and it's uh, the sixth hour, 12 noon. Peter goes up onto the, the rooftop to go pray. Sounds kind of strange. I don't we know how many of you guys go on your rooftop to pray. It's quiet. My house would be quiet there, I think. I'm not sure. But it seems kind of odd, but you got to remember the, the types of roof systems there. I'm in the roofing industry, so I really love this kind of talk. No, But it's interesting. It's just a patio. You, you walk. They had it, and you get on top of the roof, and he's up there, and it's kind of quiet. They're building a bunch of new houses around now. They've got this concept. You know, this is not a plug for that builder, but they're kind of a hindrance for our roof system. But you can get up there and walk on the roof. You can stand on the roof, and you have this quiet place. So Peter's up there. It's noon, so he's going to pray. I don't know about you guys, but when you go to pray, what happens? Distractions. At least for me, maybe you guys are better than I am. Distractions. So it's noontime. What happens? Peter's getting ready to pray. Man, I'm hungry. Man, that smells good. They're preparing the meal. Mine is a distraction all over. I start thinking about, I got to do this, I got to do that. And so here it is. But even God's going to use this distraction to draw Peter in. So he's up there and he goes into this trance. This is not like meditation and, you know mysticism, but I mean, he just kind of dialed in in his prayer, and all of a sudden he, he sees this vision of the, this sheet coming down with all these animals in it. That's kind of weird, right? Can you explain this? Remember, Peter's hungry now. It's lunchtime. It's getting close for us. I'm starting to get hungry. So 
he's up there, and he's checking it out, and, and um, God meets him right where he's at. Okay, you want to be distracted by that? And then all this stuff comes down, and there's all these animals in this, in this sheet. And the command is, if you see it in your Bible, it's, the words are in red. It says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. It's Jesus speaking to him. Kill and eat. Look at verse 14. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. Doesn't Peter have a problem with this? Is it oxymoron, jumbo shrimp, Microsoft works? I mean, this is another one, not so, Lord. Right? How can you say no to the Lord? It's not like, here it is. He's giving you a command. No, not so, Lord. I can't do this. And he's, gone, he's done this multiple times, right? He, he rebuked him, rebuked the Lord when he said he was going to go to the cross, when uh, Jesus was going to wash his feet. Not me, Lord, no way. And then, and then the Lord tell, Jesus tells him. But he's saying, hey, not so, Lord. Um, I've never met, met uh, ate anything common or unclean. Before I go on, uh, how many times do you guys tell the Lord no? Show of hands? No. It's like, no, I didn't. Right? No, it's often when we hear something that's kind of like, oh, well, I'll do this, but not that, Lord. Or the best one is, hey, use me, Lord. And then Pastor Tim comes up to you and says, hey, I need you to do this. No, let me pray about that. <laughs> right? Not so, you know, and, and we... we we question the best one, too, is like, you know, you pray for patience. Just a word of advice, new believers and everything. Maybe avoid that one. Because if you pray for patience, guess what's going to happen? It'll be a trial and tribulation to make sure you have the patience. And you say, no, Lord, not this. I didn't ask for that. So, but think about Peter. He's a, he's a, he's a, a Jew that has been strict to the to the guidelines so he's looking at this and, the, and jesus is telling him hey rise P- uh, peter kill and eat he's like hey i've never eaten anything common or unclean so it gives the indication that there were some kosher animals and you go back you got we we're going through the um the law uh, the law on uh, wednesdays and you got you start getting all the kosher laws and different things there but in the jews mind in, in, in the minute something clean touched something uh, unclean that are con, con wasn't not common it defiled it so all these animals he's like yeah i would you know i would eat that but it's touching that thing and so i want you you got to you got to get what's going on in his mind um as he's looking at this so look verse 15 and a voice spoke to him again a second time what god has cleansed you must not call common this was done three times and the object was taken up into heaven Three times, over and over and over again, right? I look at it as, I look at it in my own life. Sometimes the Lord will give me instructions and do things, and I don't listen the first time, the second time, third time. And it's like, it's almost like take another lap. The Lord's like telling you, hey, do it again. Start all over, do it again. But three times, the, the rooster crowed three times. Peter's got a connection with Jesus three times, 
That's all I'm going to. I'm going to take a little liberty here and say, hey, there's something that takes three times to get through his hard head. Whatever it is, sometimes me it takes five, six. So here he is. He um, he's basically saying, and, and and look at this, and we'll come back and we'll tie it together. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. Okay. Verse 17. Now, while Peter wondered within himself what this vision was, he had sent, had seen what he had seen meant. Behold, the men who had been uh, sent from Cornelius had made inquiry of Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. What it, for what reason have you come? So the sheet kind of gets taken up. They have this dialogue, and then Peter's kind of pondering what's been going on. And maybe this, obviously, probably no one in this room this scene has ever happened to, but sometimes when we're praying, God shows us something, you're like, but I don't understand what you're trying to communicate to me. And you're kind of thinking about it, and then no sooner is there a knock on the door right? And the Lord tells him, hey, this, the Spirit comes to him and says, hey, Peter, three men are here, just in case you want to know. They're down there. I want you to go with them doubting nothing. Doubting nothing, because he's already doubting, right? But the interesting thing, why he's telling him to doubt, because he doesn't know who it is that's down there. And and he's like, okay, I'm going to go. And he show, and goes and looks, and it's Romans, Gentiles. You want me to go with them? But notice, doubting nothing. I got a plan. And I think a lot of times our doubt that we have kind of cripples us and how God can use us. We doubt, oh, there's no way. I would think about it my personal, personally. You would ask me, Five, ten years ago, I'd stand in front of a church and, and teach. Yeah, right. You know, you, you ask me anything about leading a Bible study or this. Yeah, right. But God wants to use each one of us. And he's, even in those, cra- those things that seem seemingly you're out of your mind, you're crazy, Lord. What are you talking about? Go and doubting nothing. So he goes down there and sees them and says, hey, verse 21 tells him, hey, what, what are you guys here for? What do you need? Verse 22 says, Then they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nations of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Then he invited them in and lodged with them. On the next day, Peter went away with them, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied them. So you're these Gentiles. They're coming. They know that how strict they are. So he says, hey, hey. Hi, we're here, and uh, Cornelius is centurion. He's a just man. He fears God, and he's got a great reputation among the Jews. Don't be, don't be alarmed. I mean, Peter is like, wait, what are you guys doing here? And he says, he was instructed by an angel, and we're supposed to, he wants to hear words from you. And verse 23 is, is really key in this, in this chapter because it says that he invited them in and lodged with them. Remember to a, a Jewish person, eating with a Gentile, lodging with them, rubbing up against them, you're defiled. 
So already there's some, some new things happening here. Some, some, some walls are being torn down. So they lodge with him. And then on the next day they take off. But Peter, you know, I don't know if you caught this. Peter's still kind of not quite sure. The, the, the Spirit told him, go don't, without doubting. They told him, an angel told him to come. God's working on both ends here, but Peter's still not quite sure. And that reminds me of us, or me. I'm not going to put it all on you guys. You guys are better than me. Reminds me of me. Sometimes you're like, okay, yeah, yeah, but uh, just in case I got this backup plan. In case this doesn't work out. Is this really, am I really hearing from you, Lord? Is this what I want? So he brings some of the boys. Just in case. So he's got witnesses. He's got, so he's secure just in case this goes sideways. It's a 40-mile walk. So, verse 24, And the following day they entered Caesarea, and now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I myself am a man also. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. Just a side note, so he... Just real stop real quick. He walks, they get there, they walk in. Cornelius has been waiting. He's got all his close friends and family. Hey, this guy Peter's coming. This angel told me about it. I've been praying. I've been waiting for this. And he's going to be here. And as soon as he sees him, a centurion bowing down to a, to a fisherman from Galilee. And I don't know look at the humility in Peter. Some people are like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, kiss my ring too. <laughs> but no, Peter's like, hey, stand up. I'm just, I'm just a man just like you. And, and even the angels, when people would bow down and, to the angels, they're like, get up, get up. Only one that you bow down to is Jesus, not a man. So they begin to talk to him. And uh, look, Peter's... Put yourself in Peter's mindset right now. Here he is. He's like, what is happening? I don't know. I'm being obedient, but this is weird. All these people are here. They're watching me. They're staring at me. This guy's bowing down. Verse 28, then he said to them, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Uh-oh, it's starting to click. Peter gets there and he's like, you know how I'm not supposed to be here? It's unlawful for me. I shouldn't even be around you. You guys are Gentiles. And, and I can't stress this enough. To the Jew, a Gentile was worse than being a dog. They, the, Gentile, the, the, the rabbis, and they would pray every day. They would, pray, they would thank God. One of their prayers where they thank God that they're um, not a, uh, a Gentile, a woman, or a dog. To them, the Gentiles were just to fuel the flames of hell, literally. They are not the chosen people. So he's in there, and this is everything he's been taught, everything he's been growing up with and learned about his religious system is about to get turned upside down. He's there, and he's, like, and he's, starting, to, he's starting, to, it's starting to connect. And I, I feel like it's, and I'm confident it's the Holy Spirit working in him. Because you don't, this doesn't get revealed to people on your own, in your own strength. So here he is, 
and he says, um, I'm not supposed to be with any other nation, but God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. It wasn't the, it wasn't the food. It was a bigger picture here. Verse 29, Therefore I came without objection. As soon as I was sent for, I asked then, For what reason have you sent for me? Verse 30, So Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting fasting till this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa, and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon a Tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. So Peter, I just want to go back for a second. Peter, as he's walking that day or that night before they take off, I wonder if you've pondered and thought about Jonah. He knows his, he knows his scriptures, right? I wonder if he pondered, hey, I, I shouldn't be disobedient. God's going to want to do something here. And there he is. He walks into this house, and the Cornelius tells him the whole lowdown four days ago, then all these things happened, and you did well, Peter, to come here. Now we're all here. Have at it. We want to hear what you have to say. And uh, as I was preparing, I, was, uh, I remember this distinctly. We were, um, it's about 10 years ago, we were in Honduras on a mission trip. Really the first time I went for, on a long-term long-term mission trip. And it was the first night we were there. Um, the pastor was there, and then all of a sudden the pastor was gone. Our pastor was like, hey, you guys are going with them. Where are we going? Yeah, you're going to go with them to there. Follow them. We're in these mountains in the middle of nowhere. I don't know where we're at. We get in there, and we go to this church. They have church services every night. And we show up, and we sit down. There's three white guys sit there, and then they all just look at us. Okay. We're all here. Teach us. What are you talking about? Teach, teach you what? Oh, yeah, they said, you're, you're ready. Go ahead and we want to... We're having church service, and all the people start coming in. We're like... I was scratching my head. Like The guys are looking at me. What do we do? Just share your testimony. Hurry up. Go, go, go. I'll figure out something. I'm just praying and praying. And I say all that as, as it, you know, in preparation, I didn't know what, we're, what I was going to do. And I started praying, and the Lord showed me a, a portion of Scripture in James to go and share. And so here's Peter. And back to Peter. Here's, he's there. He didn't know he's going to do a teaching or share about the Lord. But all these people are standing there watching him, getting ready to, um, to see, uh, see what he says. Verse 34, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God uh, sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That word you know, which was, fr- was proclaimed throughout all Judea and, and begun from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. Now God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. And we were witnesses of all the things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed 
by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all people, but to witnesses chosen before God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that, that, it, that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and dead and the dead. To him all the prophets witnessed that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. So Peter gives this, this, pre, this breakdown here of the gospel message. And it seems as if Cornelius knew all this, but was missing one thing. He didn't know Jesus. And here he is. He, he, he's sharing all these different things. And it's so key that he says, hey, he shows no partiality. God shows no partial, partiality. And to, this was revolutionary for Peter. Because in the, in the Jewish people, they thought, hey, we're the only ones that have this gift. The rest of you guys, look at us and be envious. Literally. And yet, that was not God's plan for them. They were supposed to be a light and people would be drawn to it and they would have an open door to share with them. But they, they held back. And so this is it, it's revolutionary in the sense that he's starting to, he shares the whole gospel and he says, hey, there's witnesses. He came, he died on the, uh, hung on the tree. It was prophesied about. He rose on the third day. Here he is. And we're witnesses of this. We've seen this. And you may be sitting here thinking like, okay, well, that, that's great and everything, but I wasn't there. I wasn't witnesses of this. And go back to what I was talking about. Are we, the centurion has seen something in the Jewish people, something different. And he's inquiring and God met him there and asked him, said, hey, Hey, go seek, seek them. Seek out this man and begin to inquire about these things. And Peter was able, able to tell of this, his witness. He was te- testifying of what he saw. Now, for us as believers, we give our life to Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We have a testimony as well. When people come around you, do you are you able to open the door and start sharing? I had this happen to me last week. It was kind of random. I was at a, an event in um, Irvine. Started sitting, had dinner with this big group, and you know those dinners are not—it's not fun. But you know, in the worldly sense, you're just around a bunch of people. There's about thirty people that don't even know. And so I ended up talking to this guy, and before long. For one thing, one reason or another, he started seeing something, and we started talking about some things, and then come to find out he was a believer, and he was a backslidden state. And we started sharing, and and he started sharing his testimony and different things, and I was encouraging him to, you know, to walk with the Lord. And so my my encouragement to, to all of you in here is, like, each one of you have a story and a testimony of what God has done in your life. And just by, maybe you're like, ah, I don't have a testimony. Just by you sitting here is testimony that you're of something that's going on, right? Maybe your friend brought you and you've never been in church before. Or you've only been coming for a little while and you're just here and like it's just random chain of events. You are by somebody that somebody invited you to this church. 
There's no coincidence in the, in the Lord. So these guys. So my encouragement is to share it with these people. And really, as Peter's kind of navigating through all this in his mind, he's sharing all this, but he's probably not quite understanding completely. At the end of verse 43, and I'll read it again, and we'll, we'll finish this up. It says, to, to him all the prophets witness that through his name, Jesus, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sin. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak in tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should, be, should not be baptized, who shall re- have, um, should not uh, be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. So as this goes on, the Holy Spirit just falls on these, these people and they get and they get saved. And it's in, interesting for, you know, you, you, what does that mean? The Holy Spirit fell on them. <laughs> what, does that, what does that even mean? You know, maybe in here to, to this morning, you're there's a stirring in your in your in your heart. There's something changing. Like, what? I don't understand this. Like, what is it? That's the Holy Spirit. It's not coming up front, not raising your hand. It's a, it's a transaction that's going on in your heart. And, and the Holy Spirit fell upon these people, and it was evident, and it was astonishing to those, those other Jews that were there that Peter took as just as witnesses, just in case. And so it's, this is the transitional portion of, of Scripture that really opens the door for the gospel to be presented to the Gentiles. And so I'm going to, I'm going to challenge, I'm going to ask some application here is, you know, I read through this and there's a lot here in this, in this portion of scripture, but there's a few things that kind of jump out. It says, God has shown me that I, I shall not call any man common or unclean. And I perceive in truth that God shows no partiality. So my question to you, to all of us, is who are those people right now that you may view as uncommon or unclean or unreachable. And let's face it, we, we have some stereotypes, right? We, say, we might say we don't, but that person, oh, but, but the, this and that, or this, this group of people, they're in sin, they're so far gone, there's no way to, to save them. You got this, and you got all these laws. You look at the um, LBGTQ community you got all these stuff and people like say oh is that the gentiles is that the is that the centurion is that the roman here and i think we we've got a heisman right for for you guys the football fans you're kind of like eh, stay away from them the muslims and i think media does a disservice to all this stuff because it has us go around in fear of been doubting that should i share with this person but here's the, here's the truth of the matter, that whoever believes in him will have um, received remission of sins. So it's not just for us, and I think sometimes we, get, we as the church can get so confined that we only do this. But there's so many people that are hurting that need to hear the gospel. And so maybe it's someone 
that you sit next to at work. <laughs> maybe it's someone at your school. Maybe it's someone. And my question, are you going to be Jonah or are you going to be Peter? Are you going to run from them? Say, oh, I'm not, not let someone else talk to them. Or are you going to be Peter and doubting nothing and say, hey, there's a reason why you're sitting next to me. And guess what? You're going to hear about the hope that lies within me. And, and the, the, the amazing thing, and I will close with this, the amazing thing about Christianity is, it, it, yeah, it's considered religion, right? But we say it's a relationship. But it's the only religion out there that has disregards any racial boundaries, nationality, everything. Anyone, we're all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. And all that, all we have to do is share. Isn't that what? Um, John 3.16 is all about, right? To make it simple, let's take it back to that. Everyone remembers that. John 3.16 is at all the football and basketball games. But that is the heart of the gospel. Whoever so love the world, not just our little church, our little community, wherever we go, he loves the world. He's not willing that any should perish. So I challenge it. It's challenging for me. There's plenty of people out there that I come in contact with. There's people even on my, my job that I'm like, yeah, I don't want to talk to them. Because they're not going to hear it. Or I make excuses. Oh, the position I'm in, I shouldn't share with them because then, it, then you can get sued. Because you're in a management role, you're forcing religion. Really? Who cares? Because God loves them. There's no coincidence you're working and you're in, those people are around you for that, um, for that time. So, yeah, let's pray. Hmm. Lord Jesus, we just come before you, Lord. We thank you for your love, Lord. We thank you that you're not willing that any should perish, Lord. And just as we study this portion of Scripture, Lord, uh, just... Uh, transitional portion in the new testament lord that the opened up the door for the gentiles to receive um your your holy spirit into their lives lord and uh, being able to transform their lives lord and help us lord not to look at this portion of scripture as an old as an ancient document and um, it's not applicable to us today lord Help us to see those around us, Lord, that you've divinely placed in our lives to, to minister to, to share with, Lord, and, and to share of the hope that lies within us, Lord. And I just pray that, um, that we would be obedient. We would be like Peter here, Lord. We wouldn't be like Jonah and run away from that, Lord, and, take, and, and end up having to take another lap because we know that there, you have a, a divine purpose for each one of us, Lord, to proclaim your name. So I just um, thank you for this time to be in your word, Lord, and we thank you for the gospel message. In Jesus' name, amen.